Whether you're new to the Wiregrass area or you've been here your whole life, you're going to learn something new about the community. Hey, I'm Bethany B, and this is episode 40 of Welcome to the Wiregrass. Today, I have a very special guest that I'm super excited about because if you know me, you know that I love reality shows. I have Holly Weathers, who is the Biggest Loser casting producer. Hi, Holly. Hey, Bethany. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be talking to you. I cannot wait. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself just so we can get to know you a little better. Sure. So I grew up in Hartford. I graduated in 97 from Geneva County High School. I went to Auburn after high school and ended up doing an internship my last semester at Auburn. And I did it in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where they did a lot of filming for a lot of films, but most people will know Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill were filmed there. Mm-hmm. And so I did some extra work on Dawson's Creek and met some people in production and some people that owned a production company. So I needed an internship my last semester there at Auburn. And so I ended up interning in the casting department at this small production company in Wilmington and met a lot of great people there and worked in casting on a lot of films and TV and commercials and industrials and things like that. So that's kind of where I got started. And I was in Wilmington for four years before I moved out to LA. But my family is still in Hartford. My brother is actually the head football coach and athletic director at Geneva County. And then my sister-in-law is the head um, girls basketball and volleyball coach, Carrie and Jim Bob Striplin. And then my niece, Caroline, is star basketball player in Hartford as well and just got uh, committed to Tennessee last month. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations to her. Sounds like you all have a bunch of athletes in your family. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm probably the only non-athlete in the family. (laughs) I took another route. And my dad's a pilot. He owns Stripling Airfield there in Hartford, too. Oh, awesome. (laughs) And what did you say that you studied in college? My bachelor's degree is in communication, and then I have minors in theater and marketing. I switched majors, I want to say five times when I was in school. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be in entertainment. Um, I've actually known that I wanted to do something in TV or film since I was six years old and watched Annie over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. And then my great grandmother took me to Dothan Opera House and took me to see the play Annie. And I was like, there's no going back now. Like somehow, some way I'm going to find out how I can be in television or in film and so I just kind of had to figure it out on my own because there was no such thing as Google searches and internet back then so it was just a lot of um, meeting people and being at the right place the right time and uh, researching things the best that I could with the things that I had. I lucked out. (laughs) You and I have so much in common actually because In college where I went to school, I uh, majored in communications and theater as well. And then also when I was like young, like seven years old, I was in my first play. And that's when I was like, I want to do something in entertainment as well, too. So that's what got me to radio. (laughs) A lot more in common than I thought we have. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I always thought that I would be an actress or a singer or something but man actors have it rough there's a lot of letdown and you know you have to have a ton of confidence to keep going in that industry I just I really felt feel like I've 
selected a better choice being behind the camera instead of in front of it. But when I originally had gone to Wilmington, I thought I might try my hand at acting. Yeah, I just, the rejection was a little much for me. (laughs) Same, because I wanted to be an actress when I was younger, too. And actually, after college, I thought about, like, moving out to Chicago and starting my acting career. But now I'm glad that I didn't, because I don't like rejection. And even my mom was like, I'm glad you didn't pursue acting because it's a very difficult job. Yeah, it really is. And I did casting for television and film for a while and, you know, working with the agents and stuff is just not really what I wanted to do. There's there's just a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on that I didn't really want to deal with. Actually, the first show that I did reality casting for was the one season that they had of The Apprentice that was a regular Donald Trumpet season, but then they did an additional season with Martha Stewart. And I worked on that and I just, I fell in love with casting for reality because you get to meet so many people and hear so many different stories and where people have gone and how they got to where they are. And it's just such an interesting world and getting to talk to all different people from all walks of life. So I think it worked out the way it should have. And I have one quick question before we talk more about you being a casting producer. So when you were in Wilmington, North Carolina, and you said you worked on Dawson's Creek, did you meet Joshua Jackson? I did on multiple occasions. He, um, Yeah, I'm Team Pacey all the way. I have a huge (laughs) crush on him, so I had to ask. Yes, I always, yeah, I would see him out a lot. Him and Michelle Williams and Busy Phillips, I would see out the most. And then when um, One Tree Hill came to town, I would see Chad Michael Murray out a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, they were all like super nice people. Um, The only one I didn't meet was Katie Holmes, and she's probably the one that I wanted to meet the most. But she kind of kept to herself and was really private, so I never saw her out anywhere to talk to her. And on set, she was always you know, real busy. So did you ever work with any divas? You don't have to say a name or anything, but any actors who were divas that you're just like, "Eh, I don't really get along with you. No, I don't. Not, not anybody that I was just appalling or anything. (laughs) I've heard a lot of stories though. That's for sure. I have friends that have worked for like Britney Spears and Mariah Carey and Ellen DeGeneres and They've they've definitely told me some things that are not pleasant. (laughs) No, I definitely heard that about Mariah Carey. And I like I'm a huge fan of Ellen DeGeneres. And then more news was like coming out about her over the past few months saying that she's not a nice person. I'm like, that's so disappointing because I love her show. But I'm so glad that you said Joshua Jackson's nice since I have a crush on him. So, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Yeah, Ellen, I have several friends that worked for her when they first started out and It was really disappointing because I used to watch her show all the time, too. And she's just apparently not great to her employees. And, you know, you would think so differently about her. But um, I've heard it from the horse's mouth of people that have worked from her. So I know it to be true, at least to an extent. Unfortunate. Yeah, it's so disappointing. (laughs) Who I love is Taylor Swift. I've met her and she is the best. I was actually on a hike in L.A. and on Running Canyon and... I saw her and my niece at the time was obsessed and like had a Taylor Swift birthday party and and whatnot. And I had gone up to her and she was in full makeup on her hike. So it was kind of funny. Anyway, her bodyguard was saying like, no, don't bother her. She's on her own time. And she heard him say that. And 
she turned around and came up to me and asked me my name and she put her arm around me and said, let's take a picture. And she was just super nice. So I've always had mad respect for her. I So she's my favorite artist, actually. I love Taylor Swift because she's so good to her fans. Like she'll send out like personalized Christmas gifts to them. And I just love how she treats people. And I love her music too. Her first two albums, if a song comes on on the radio and I'm listening to it, I know all the words. And I saw her for the first time in concert almost two years ago now. And she puts on an amazing show. So I'm glad she's nice because she's like my favorite. Yeah. From my experience, she's great. And I hope that she will continue to to be a good person. So I know we got off topic a little bit, but I just had to know some information (laughs) about Joshua Jackson and Taylor Swift. (laughs) You are the casting producer and social media manager for The Biggest Loser. So what does your position entail? So in a normal season, not involving COVID, in a couple of weeks in the office, kind of spreading the word, doing outreach to different places. Like if we're going to certain cities, we'll call people and have them put up the flyer, talking, telling that we're coming to town to do a casting call and of course the press, but then also we will call like PTAs and PTOs and football coaches and nursing stations and schools and police and fire departments, just anywhere locally that we can think of that might have people that might want to be on the show, of course, gyms and things like that. And we spread the word and do the outreach that way. And then, of course, social media is a big part of it because you can find, you know, anybody and everybody on social media. So we'll, um, you know, contact different places on social media and say, hey, we're coming to town to do casting calls and um, we'd love you to help you know, let all of your followers know so that they'll have the information on where to go and when. Um, So it's, so this season has been a little bit different because we're doing it virtually, um, but kind of the same idea. We'll still call people the same way and post on social media, but we'll just tell them, you know, we're doing it nationwide instead of just in their city and they can go to our website and apply and, um, and whatnot. So that's the first part of it, the first few weeks. And then once we start doing interviews, then I do Skype interviews or in-person interviews if we're on the road. Well, so let me back up. For a non-COVID season, we travel to about 13 cities each season and do casting calls that usually anywhere from about 50 to 2,000 people have shown up before, which was awesome. I think our biggest one might have been Columbus, Ohio, like season six or something like that. It was huge and it was snowing. It was crazy. But anyway, so people will come and meet us in person. And we'll do tables of 10 and go around the table, find out a little bit about each person. They fill out an application. And then we do a callback interview for those that we want to see again the next day um, back at our hotel. And we put them on camera. And that's what we use, that footage, pitch that person to our producers, see if they make it as a finalist, and then on to the show. So right now, I do the same thing, but with Skype interviews. So we actually can do a lot more since we're not limited to just using that city. We'll do Skype interviews, find out a little bit about each person, why they feel like they've gained the weight, why they feel like they want to lose the weight, what they've gone through in their lives, what they do for a living, all about their families, that kind of thing. From there, we pitch those people that we love to our head of casting, and she pitches them to our network, which is USA Network now. And then hopefully they will get selected to be on the show that way. And then I also do social media managing for the casting team. I am in charge of responding to all the messages, doing all the posts, doing the Instagram lives and Facebook lives and 
and uh, everything involving the, the social media pages is, is my responsibility as well. And I just, I kind of took that over when social media first became a thing, really. Nobody's using Twitter and Facebook, or MySpace, I guess, at the time for casting. And I said, oh, this is a huge opportunity to find everybody that we want at the click of a few buttons. And so I was one of the, I guess, forefathers, if you will, of using social media forecasting, which is now like how we find a ton of our people. Not really in a nutshell, but that's what I did. <laughs> how many applicants do you get a year that try to be on the show? Well, it's funny because we were, um, last season was our first season on USA Network. And so we were on hiatus for, I think it was four to four and a half years prior to that. So when we came back for casting, not a whole lot of people knew that we were back at it, that we were going to have a new season. So last season, we only had like, gosh, I don't know, maybe like 500 applicants or so, 600, not a whole lot. Generally, we have less than 10,000, which you would think it would be a lot more than that. And a lot of people usually get deterred because they think that, you know, why would you pick me? out of, you know, 100,000 applicants, but there's really not as many as you as you think there would be. So, What season did you start working on it, on The Biggest Loser? I have been with The Biggest Loser since season five. So um, my season was, um, actually, I cast a local guy from The Wiregrass, Roger Schultz, who played, um, he's from Enterprise, and he played football at Alabama, and we're still good friends. Cast him on the show that season, him and Trent, who also played at Alabama, friend of his. And that was the first season that a female won the show. Allie won the show that season. So that was pretty exciting. I think I'm the casting producer that has been with the show the longest consistently. We've had a couple that have skipped a few seasons and whatnot, but I'm kind of the face of the biggest loser casting team, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Some people say that I'm famous among the biggest loser world because of doing casting for it for so long. Is everyone a casting producer who's part of casting or is it their different titles? There's different titles. We have um, casting interns and then casting assistants, casting associate producers, and then casting producers. Then we have a, a lead casting producer and our head of casting. And then we also have casting editors as well. Sometimes we have casting recruiters. Right now we don't because um, of what's going on. But say I was doing a show like The Real World or Survivor or Big Brother, which you love, I know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we would have casting recruiters that we send out to bars and restaurants and festivals and anywhere and everywhere you can think of. And they go and actually, you know, go up to people, talk to them and say, you know, hey, I'm casting big brother, you have a great look, or I saw you and your personality seems great. Would you ever consider applying? And they take down their information and call them and talk about it and, and do interviews with them that way. That's kind of the ground level. I did take a couple of recruiting jobs when I was in LA to kind of get a feel for the layout of the city and the nightlife and things like that early on. I know that you said there was a hiatus for Biggest Loser for about four and a half years. What did you do during that hiatus? So I've actually been casting, uh, casting producer for 18 years uh, since I graduated from Auburn. I started out right away. So, um, so I've done shows anywhere from uh, the real world to Catfish to Kids Baking Championship and Worst Bakers in America, Worst Cooks in America, 
Master Chef, That Girls Club. I've probably cast over 200 shows at least. I haven't counted. (laughs) That is amazing. Um, Yeah. In between there, I want to say I was working on the real world for a couple of seasons, definitely during that hiatus and a couple of food shows as well. I do a lot of food network stuff. Food and weight loss is kind of my forte, which is kind of funny. But (laughs) usually if you're in casting, you have kind of a niche that everybody calls you for based on, you know, what shows you consistently work on. My resume consists of pretty much every type of reality show, but I mainly have done food and weight loss. I love the real world. I started getting hooked on that show, I think when they did it in Chicago a few years ago. But I'm also a huge fan of the challenge. I know it used to be like the challenge road rules or real world road rules or whatever it was. So that's so cool that you used to cast for Real World. Yeah, it was kind of a a really cool moment for me because when I was in school at Auburn, they were actually having Real World auditions in Montgomery. And I strongly considered going and everybody was encouraging me to go and audition. But I chickened out last minute. I never would have made the show. Knowing what I know now, I never would have made the show. But Anyway, I chickened out, but it was really cool when I got the call to work on as a casting producer for the show because it was like a, a wow moment. Like I'm getting to work on what at one time was my favorite show in the world. So it was really cool. Yeah, my sister, she had like this, like a bucket list. And one of the things was she wanted to be casted in the real world. And this was like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, that would have been that would have been when I would have auditioned for it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys could have known each other. <laughs> exactly. We could have been seven one of seven strangers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite memory with the biggest loser so far? Oh man, there are so so many. Man, I think just, you know, when the people at the in the final episode of the show whenever they have completely transformed their their mind, body, and soul, and walk out, and, you know, you see that they're healthier, they're happier, I guess, I don't know, there's so many, but that really kind of sticks out, because, you know, when I interview them, a lot of them are at the lowest point in their life, they don't know how to get out of the hole that they've dug themselves into, and they just are reaching out for help and a lot of them will tell you as they're sitting on the couch talking to you if I don't lose weight and get healthier I'm gonna die and that's a scary thought and really scary for anybody to say out loud to someone else especially a stranger which I would be at the time interviewing them and then to see them so confident and happy on that final day when they walk on that stage is just it just gives you this feeling of you know you're just so proud and feel accomplished that you had a small part in making that happen. Do you still stay in touch with past contestants on Facebook to see their progress and everything? Yeah, I do. I keep in contact with some of them. It's really actually cool because season eight, a guy named Sean Algeyer, we became good friends through the process and he is a pastor and so he actually married my husband and I on Lake Norman outside of Charlotte. Oh, cool. Um, 
whenever we got married. So it was kind of a full circle moment. And he mentioned like when he was talking to our wedding guest, he's like, Holland helped us change my life. And now I'm going to help her change hers. So it was really cute. (laughs) Did you start bawling? Like, I feel like I would have been crying if he said that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a cool moment for sure. But yeah, I have a lot of friends through the process and a lot of them are, you know, really grateful and message me from time to time and tell me, you know, thank you for being a big part in me being able to live a longer life, which is huge because I'm just doing my job. But it's great that in a, even though it's television, I actually do get to help people. So it's really cool whenever I talk to a past contestant and they let me know how they're doing or that they struggled with getting pregnant before the show and now they have a new baby. Things like that are really cool moments. After the casting, like after you've casted people for the season, are you still very much a part of the show or what happens after you've casted the season? So once the season's cast, uh, my job is pretty much done. Whenever the show was filming in L.A., they filmed at a place called King Gillette Ranch that's right outside of L.A. I would go and visit them on set sometimes when they had down days, dark days. Now it's moved to New Mexico, and I got invited to come out there last season just to say hello and hang out, but I didn't I didn't fly there just to, <laughs> just to do that. So, yeah, my job's pretty much done once the cast is, is selected. I will say I did shot a show, I think it was, let's see, it was 2006, I had the opportunity after casting a show called When Women Rule the World, and I had the opportunity to move to Fiji for a month and work on set, kind of, we call it babysitting the cast. So like once cast members were eliminated, we would take care of them on a different island and just make sure the cast had what they needed. They had different needs while they were on set and things we would help take care of them. So that was really cool. And that's one of the times that I was able to go and work on production after casting. Fiji would be so cool, especially if you're there for work too, because it's like you're on vacation, but you're getting paid for it. Exactly. (laughs) It was really great. (laughs) Can people in the YRS area sign up for a chance to be a contestant on The Biggest Loser? 100%. Absolutely, yes. I would love that. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited to talk to you because I definitely want to extend the opportunity to members of the Wiregrass to go to our website, clcasting.tv. They can fill out the application there, tell a little bit about themselves, why they want to get healthy. And they can put at the bottom, you know, how did you hear about the show? And you can mention hearing about it from me. And hopefully we'll give you a call for a Skype interview. But yeah, I think Roger is the last person that I cast from the Wiregrass. And that was way back in season five. And we're on season two of USA Network. But technically it's season 19 if you put them all together. So it's been a while since we've had anybody from Alabama on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, that's not true. Last Last season, we had Micah from Oneana, Alabama, but from the Wiregrass, we haven't had anybody on. <laughs> so hear that, Wiregrass? We need you to sign up. <laughs> and Absolutely. It would be great. <laughs> how long do they have to sign up to? Like, what's the deadline? We actually don't have a set deadline at the moment. We're waiting to kind of see what producers figure out about COVID and where we're filming and all the production details and everything. So I would just say as soon as possible, the sooner the better. Hopefully we'll be casting about another month or so, but we're not 100% sure. And generally speaking, we would be filming in the fall, but again, there's still working out those details too. Reality shows have at least one myth 
per show, I feel like. Is there one myth that you can squash about The Biggest Loser? Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of a general myth, but I'm going to speak specifically to Biggest Loser. A lot of people think that reality shows are fake. And I can tell you from experience, 100%, The Biggest Loser is not fake. (laughs) The people that make the show, they go on and they work their butts off, literally. I mean, they are day in, day out. They're working out with their trainers. They're meeting with nutritionists and getting their caloric intake and all of the nutritional things that they need to um, work with due to their body and size and all their needs taken care of. And then they're also working with therapists and getting their mind right and getting to the root of the issue so that they can hopefully work things out, mind, body, and soul from the inside out so that they can continue and maintain their their weight loss long term. So I know for a fact that it is not fake. I mean, when they go into the gym, yes, there's moments where they get emotional and They break down and they talk about their feelings and things like that. But that is all very, very real, specifically to Biggest Loser. Now, if we're talking Kardashians or Real Housewives or something, yes, a lot of that is produced and they set different things up and whatnot. But as far as Biggest Loser goes, they are working out, they are eating healthy, they are talking to therapists, they are 100% doing um, all the things that they need to, to have a better life. Well, I'm glad The Biggest Loser is real because I used to watch The Hills and I was so disappointed when I found out that that was scripted. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is those types of shows are are loosely scripted. They might put them in a situation and say, talk about this or talk about that or or whatever, things like that. But all of them are not that way. (laughs) If someone from the Wiregrass area gets casted to be on The Biggest Loser, how long are they expected to be away from home? I know it can vary because of the show, but... Yeah, the first season on USA last year, they were gone for about 12 weeks, which is uh, a little less time than than previously. Um, And then they'll go home and work out for a time before they would come back for their finale and everything. Um, So, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, well, how do I leave work? What do I do? And if you were to go to our Instagram page, which is at BL Casting Team, um, we do a lot of Instagram lives with uh, contestants from last season that talk about that very thing and how they were able to leave work. But some of them got a health leave of absence. Kimmy, that is awesome. She is uh, from Tennessee. And she went to her employer and said, you know, hey, you give people time off to go to drug rehab and alcohol rehab and They have their jobs when they get back. I'm addicted to food and I need help. And so she argued that with them and they said, you know what, you're 100% right. We're going to give you a health leave of absence. And so a lot of employers will be very supportive. You would be really surprised. Some people don't think that their employer will let them have the time off. But for the most part, we have not had a problem with getting people to take time off of work and away from home and whatnot. So it's just a personal choice and you just have to decide at some point what's more important, your job or your health and being there for your family long term, which obviously is, is a, should be an easy decision, but it is a hard one. Yeah. But they are given a stipend that helps pay bills and things like that. So the producers talk to them about that later in the casting process. It's a good thing to take time off of work for, I would say.
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it's helping out their health and they can live a longer and happier life too. Yeah. And in turn, become a better employee because they're able to have more stamina and don't have to be away for doctor's visits and that kind of thing as often, things like that. After the show, they're also given a lot of opportunities for speaking engagements and to become personal trainers and things like that. Even if you were to maybe lose your job because of it, there's going to be so many opportunities afterwards that will probably make up for that lost income. That's so cool. I didn't even realize they could, there could be a career for them after it, too, being like a spokesperson or something like that. Yeah, there's been a lot of contestants that have gone on to write books and go on book tours and speak at big corporate events and all kinds of stuff. Allie actually had the winner that I was talking about earlier, the first winner. She actually had a TV show on her own for a while. So you just, you never know. So you're from Alabama, and I know moving to L.A. was a huge culture shock. So how much of a culture shock was that for you? So I took it in baby steps. I moved from Hartford to Auburn, which was a little bit bigger city. And then I moved from Auburn to Wilmington. that was a little bit bigger. And then I made the huge move to L.A. The biggest difference is the traffic the weather and the people. <laughs> the weather in LA, you can't beat it. I, I just, it's just great weather all the time. I mean, maybe February, January, February, it gets a little cold, but we're talking maybe in the 40s or something. <laughs> it doesn't get too cold. So that was always great. We always loved calling our friends back east saying, you know, I oh, wore out by the pool today and you're covered in snow. So that was fun. The People in L.A. are not, not all of them, but a lot of people aren't quite as friendly. Like if you drive down the street, in, like in Dothan, you wave to people as you go by. Well, if you wave to people in L.A., they look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the traffic was, is awful. Like my office is about 23 miles from where I live. So anywhere from 30 minutes to two and a half hour drive, depending on the traffic. Jeez, I could not yeah. deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I remember like a long time ago seeing um, a news story about the 405 traffic and I was like, who in their right mind would want to put themselves through that every day and then cut to, you know, years later and here I am <laughs> sitting in traffic all the time and, you know, dealing with it. But yeah, you just have to learn how to balance your stress and not get road rage. <laughs> I've also noticed that you don't really have too much of a Southern accent either. Oh, my husband calls that my L.A. work voice. <laughs> I don't know that I'm doing it, but he totally says that when I'm when I'm at home in Hartford or around my best friend Heather, he's like, I can tell when you're talking to your hometown friends or Heather because you immediately have your accent back. But he's like, when you're talking to press or if you're um, talking to a contestant on the phone, you get a, like a different voice. So I don't do it on purpose, but apparently it's the thing. No, I'm the same <laughs> way because I'm originally from upstate New York. So I like talk a lot quicker <laughs> and when I'm home and everything. So I totally understand it. And then, of course, all my L.A. friends think that I'm a country bumpkin. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everyone's been trying to turn me southern down here. So, <laughs> Well, that's all the questions I have, unless there's anything else you wanted to add about The Biggest Loser. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would just want to encourage anybody. One of the criteria for this season of Biggest Loser is that we are looking for men and women with 100 plus pounds to lose, give or take. If you have 
you know, 80, 90 pounds to lose, then please still apply. The show has been revamped for USA Network. We have two new trainers, Steve Cook, who is amazing and really nice to look at. And then um, Erica Lugo, who actually used to be over 300 pounds herself five years ago, lost the weight, survived thyroid cancer, and now is a trainer on the show. So she's super compassionate and relatable to the contestants. They loved having her there last season because she knows exactly where they're coming from and what they're going through. And then Bob is our host, of course, who everybody knows, and he is awesome in person as well. Everybody always asks about Bob. I'm like, yes, he is genuine. He is a great person. So the show, with it being revamped, uh, focuses on a more holistic approach to weight loss. So mind, body, soul, working from the inside out, working with nutritionists, trainers, and therapists to get your mind right and your body will follow and uh, hopefully will last long term. So if you're out there and you hear this and you want to change your life, I strongly encourage you to just just apply. Just see what happens. Um, Go fill out that application. We ask for a little um, up to two minute video. It's just an intro video. You can even just sit in front of your computer and show your a little bit of your personality and tell us who you are, why you want to get healthy. And you never know. I mean, we could select you and you're, a year from now, you can be healthy and happy and able to be a better parent or teacher or coach or nurse or whatever it is that you do. So I'd love to, uh, to interview you if, if you find it within yourself to apply. And anything is possible. Don't be scared to apply. Absolutely. Nobody that I've ever cast on the show thought that they would be picked to be on the show. They were like, why would they choose me out of all these people? And then, you know, for whatever reason, they stood out to us. They made it on the show. And now they are um, healthier and and living a good life. So it could happen to you. Yes, it could. (laughs) Well, thank you, Holly. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. And hopefully we get some Wiregrass contestants on the show. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, of course. I just want to encourage if there's any, you know, teenage girls out there that have just had big dreams of leaving their small town and they don't know how to do it, I strongly encourage you to follow those dreams, do whatever it takes, work hard, do research, talk to people, ask questions, find out information about whatever field it is that you're interested in and just go for it. I left Hartford, moved to Auburn. When I moved to Wilmington, I literally had $40 cash in my pocket and a credit card and a big dream. And here I am now working on some of the most famous shows that have ever been on television and living a really good life and living out my dreams. So just because you're from a small town, Slocum, Hartford, Geneva, Samson, wherever you're from, if you have a dream, you can make it happen. Just believe in yourself and work hard and you'll get there. The sky's the limit. That's what I always tell people. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Holly. I can relate to you so much because I moved from New York to Michigan and then in Michigan I packed up my car I drove to Alabama to chase after my dreams of being on air and I was and I didn't know a single person so it's definitely possible thanks Holly thank you for your time Bethany I appreciate it thank you for listening to episode 40 welcome to the wiregrass brought to you by the radio people